You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Hello, welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, my guest is Nikki Nash. She's a Hay House author, motivational speaker, and founder of Market Your Genius. This is a training and development company on a mission to help entrepreneurs to profit from their message. And I'm very happy to talk today with Nikki about monetizing personal brand and many other topics. Hi, Nikki. Hi, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's great to have you. For sure, I have a lot of interesting questions to ask you today because I'm very interested myself about my personal brand. I will be asking for sure some questions that I have a personal interest in. So Nikki, we want to start building our personal brand for our business or maybe we are still working in a corporation and we want to start building our personal brand. What do you recommend? And where should we start? I think the first step is always getting clear on what you want to be known for and how you want to be perceived. I think one of the big misconceptions about branding or building a personal brand is that whatever you put out there will be perceived exactly the way you want it to. And ultimately, it's your reputation and what people think of when they think of you. And so if you want to take action that will hopefully influence the way people perceive you, you first have to get clear on how you want to be seen and then start looking at, all right, well, are you actually doing things that are in alignment with you being seen that way? You know, if I wanted to be an expert on podcast guesting, right, and I've never been a guest on a podcast, and I never spoke about podcast guesting, then there's a gap. But if I'm clear, and I'm like, oh, I want to be an expert on this, then I would start thinking about ways that I can show up as that expert and have people start looking at me that way. Yeah. So for example, I am a communication coach, expert in public speaking, TEDx speaking. What should I base my expertise on in meaning in social media? Should I only post my pictures with me speaking on stage and, you know, articles on becoming professional speaker? Or is there something more in building a personal brand? Yeah. So I would say like, if you said, oh, what should I start building your expertise on? And then we can talk about how to do that. I would start with what is your end goal? You know, if you're working at a company, are you trying to become the next, you know, VP, CMO, get promoted? What is your ultimate goal um, long-term? And for you, if it's to bring on clients, it's okay. What clients do you want to attract? What type of clients do you want to have? What do you want them to ultimately buy? You know, there's a bit of a difference. It's not drastically huge, but there's a difference between I want to get a TEDx talk and I want to better communicate with my team internally. I'm not saying that you do either or both of those things, but you know, if I heard the word communication, I'd go, okay, great. What does that literally mean? Almost from the other person's perspective, what's in it for me? You know, I used to work at Intel and one of the <laughs> sayings that I used to always hear is, you know, you always have to think of what's in it for the other person or what have you done for somebody lately so that you're always considered for the next promotion, right? So you always want to think, if I want somebody to buy this product or if I want somebody to promote me in this way or to this position, 
What do they need to believe or know about me in order to make that decision? So if you want to be known as a TEDx coach, I'm going to just use that as an example. I would have you go, okay, well, what would somebody need to know and believe about you in order to say yes to working with you? So it could be you speaking on stage. It could be your clients like, oh my goodness, another one of my clients just landed another TEDx. Like, you know, those sort of social proof type of things. It could be you, I'm making this up, have connections with TEDx producers. You could say, oh my gosh, I just had a great lunch with, you know, my friend who's the TEDx London producer. I don't even know if there's a TEDx London. I'm sorry, TEDx, I'm making this up. But like, you know, like just positioning yourself as somebody who has relationships in the industry, who has proven testimonials or social proof of helping people get results, yourself speaking, different things along those lines will really help people. You know, what do you do to prepare for a talk or what do your clients do to prepare for a talk so that it's not just look at me, look at my clients. It's like valuable content as well. But those are, for example, things that I would start looking at posting online. If you're thinking, hey, how do I do this on social media? And also how I would look at it. I would look at it from the end user and go, what do they need to know, believe, think in order to say, heck yeah, to my offer? Yeah, great. So actually, I'm a TEDx organizer. <laughs> See, that's the word, organizer. I love it. I'm like, what are they? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we call ourselves curators, TEDx curators, organizers, but you know, producers the same. So yeah, I've been posting actually a lot about me organizing TEDx events. So now I think that it was not just me talking about myself, but it was also part of me building personal brand because I think that for a very long time, it was a big border for me between my personal stuff, what I do and my kind of business personality. And I think that many people have this somewhere in the back of their head. So, okay, I will post or I will tell an example about my personal life or I'll post personal picture of me with my kids, for example, on, let's say, Instagram, and it will be only my personal closed blog. But on LinkedIn, I would post something super professional and smart. So do you think there is this border that we need to be aware of? Or do you think that we should mix those things? Yeah, I think when you are selling a service, people want to get to know you. And if you're trying to get promoted, people typically like to know that you're a human being. And yes, they want to see how you are at work, but I think all of it matters. And so I believe you get to curate what you show on social media. And, you know, I'll use Oprah, for example, because she comes to mind. I'm pretty confident people who are fans of Oprah don't know Oprah holistically. You know what I mean? I'm sure there are things about her that she does not reveal online because she wants to keep that to herself. And I think that's her prerogative. I do it. I think everybody should do it. But I think if you're building a reputation and a brand, people love to see that you're, you know, have a life. And I think you can do it in a way that's still in alignment with your business so that it's not jarring. Like, here's me having fun. Here's me working. Here's me having fun. You know, I think you could say, oh my gosh, I finished another week or I just finished planning this TEDx. Phew, finally get to let my hair down and I'm off to the beach with my family. Right. And then it's like you with your suitcases at the beach, or we're having such a great time. I so need to detox from, you know, all the work we just put in or something along those lines. So I personally don't think you need to go this platforms for personal, this platforms for business. I don't think you have to build that church and state. But what I will say is if you want to have a account 
that is only for your family or loved ones, you can absolutely do that. And that doesn't mean you don't have to share any of your personal stuff on your business accounts. It just means that you'll show just the things that you're comfortable sharing with the world. Yeah, so we can share something, but definitely not everything. I can see that some people who are building personal brands, they are all the time online and telling something about themselves. But also maybe this is their purpose then, right? They're targeting a different audience that wants to know everything about them. Yeah, and they could be trying to build a celebrity type personal brand. And that makes sense. There are some celebrities that obviously share a lot more than others, but that could be somebody's strategy to go like, I want people to know or feel like they know everything about me. And so it's like, okay, well, happy sharing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So there are definitely different strategies, but okay, we decide to build our personal brand. We know more or less what type of content do we want to post and uh, what are the benefits of such a content marketing because I feel that it can be a bit overwhelming especially in the beginning when you're starting your business and you don't have a big team to be everywhere on all social media to post and to keep up with all your things all your content that you want to post here's blog here's twitter something else so what are the benefits and uh, do you think that we should go all in immediately or are there some strategies that you recommend? Yeah. So I think for, I'm going to speak to entrepreneurs at first, especially, but I think there is this misconception that if you're trying to reach a lot of people, you need to be on a lot of platforms. And that's not necessarily true. In fact, I would think that if you're on a lot of platforms and you don't have the capacity or team to consistently put content on those platforms, you're hurting your business more than you're helping it. And so I recommend for most people to choose one platform, maybe two, but choose one that you're going to really consistently put content on. And I would say that a lot of the benefits stem from your ability to create that connection with your target audience. You're able to build relationships using different social media platforms. You can direct message people or leave comments or, you know, connect with people in a way that you maybe can't elsewhere. But I think most people to start can choose one platform and then also realize that more often than not, it's a long-term strategy and game. Like my first clients didn't come because I was going live on Facebook, you know, six plus years ago. They came from my network, from referrals, from, you know, people I met at networking events or things along those lines. But after about, you know, eight months, 12 months, I can't remember the exact timing, but it was almost a year, if not a year, I started getting Actually, that's not entirely true. It was less than a year, but I started getting clients online that I didn't know at all, but that found me online. But it was because I was consistently showing up. So I would definitely say you want to choose one place. You want to go all in, create relevant content for your target audience and know that that's not necessarily for most people a short-term strategy. Like I went live and I'm going to have 10 new clients. That's usually not how it works. So (laughs) definitely keep that in mind when you go after it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. About a year ago, I started doing regular lives. I can see that it is definitely a long-term strategy. (laughs) But now, after 
several months, almost a year, I can see that actually people are watching my lives. They're coming back to me, asking uh, questions. I'm getting some new referrals. People are getting interested because I have something regular going on. I think that this is also very attractive because if you go live once and then you just disappear or twice, then... I mean, no one will remember this, but if you have something regular, weekly lives, weekly podcast episodes, for example, then it creates effect after some time, right? Yeah, like I want people to think of their content or to create a piece of content like a TV show, like create a weekly show and choose a TV show that like never seems to go away, like a soap opera or like Law and Order or NCIS that has like five bajillion episodes and then spinoffs, like it's not going away. Like pretend you're creating that show. It's the show of you sharing really valuable content to your audience and show up and deliver it each and every week. And you can do it live, which means you're going live each and every week, or you can do something that you pre-record. You know, like I batch record my podcast episodes and it releases every week. But I was sharing with you earlier, my 2021 episodes are all recorded by the end of July of 2021, right? For the most yeah, part, I think I have maybe amazing. one outstanding. So you can be consistent without feeling like you have to dedicate, you know, every week to something and then go, oh no, what happens if, you know, I'm sick or something goes wrong? And there's also tools like Restream, I believe even allows you to pre-record content and stream it live. If you want to have a live show and you know, like, oh, I'm going on vacation, my family's going to be so mad if I go live and, you know, disrupt the vacation, you can do things like that where you pre-record stuff and have it stream same time as you always would. That's a great tool, actually. Yeah. And I used to ruin my vacations a couple of times with myself going live or doing some webinars or things like this. And now I'm doing exactly what you say. So I pre-record my podcast episodes, preparing all the posts and everything that will go out. And it still goes out consistently, but I don't have to be there, actually. So yeah. And you're saying that marketing is like dating. What do you mean by this? Yeah. You know, I think so many people forget that marketing is essentially just relationship building. And I think of it just like I would dating. You know, if you wanted to date someone or find, you know, your ideal mate, you would usually start with, okay, who do I want to meet and where are they probably spending their time? And so you may go, okay, what app do I want to be on or what bar do I want to go to or which friend do I think has, you know, a good network of potential mates for me. And then you show up or you kind of start from there, right? You show up at that bar or on that platform or at that friend's party. And then you move to, okay, well, now I need to capture somebody's attention. Maybe that's metaphorically through your dating profile, or it could be, you know, what you post on Instagram or LinkedIn, or it could be your podcast, but you want to do something where you are capturing somebody's attention and ideally stopping them from scrolling or passing you by, right? And that's the same thing you want to do in marketing. You want to think, where's my target audience spending their time? How can I capture their attention, stop them from scrolling? Then, you know, once you do that, you probably want to spark some sort of interest or, you know, a conversation, ideally get somebody's contact information. Same thing with dating. It's like you talk to somebody for a little bit and then you know, if you don't exchange numbers or something, then you don't talk again unless you hopefully bump into each other at the same bar, right? So you want to exchange contact information 
or at least capture your target audience's contact information and then move on to dating, right? And that goes into what do they need to know and believe about you or your products or service in order to powerfully choose to work with you or buy from you or not? And what do you need to know about them in order to powerfully choose whether or not you want to work with them, right? Because it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. Are they an ideal client and customer for you? Are you an ideal service provider or product provider for them? And then if so, then you can, you know, get married or go on your merry way metaphorically where you, you know, make that sale. And so you really want to think of from a marketing perspective, how do you get in front of your target audience? How do you capture their attention? How do you get contact information so that you can nurture that relationship and give them everything they need to powerfully choose whether they want to move forward or not? And you do the same. I love this analogy. As I am, you know, communication coach, <laughs> I always tell my clients, use analogies to explain things. And this is great. So speaking in terms of your analogy and dating. So when we capture someone's contact, let's say an email address, right? For example, we are getting this client. There is still this dating phase before we get married, right? <laughs> so what do you recommend? We have the great content. It is there. Then we are attracting attention of our ideal client. We're capturing them. We have their contact number, email. What do we do next to build this relationship? You know, it's honestly different for every person. I can talk what you want to do at the highest level, and then I can share why it's a bit different for every person. But ultimately, your goal is to move someone from like, hey, I'm interested in what you talk about to filtering them through a process of having them go, actually, I want your support or your help with this, whether it's through a product or a service, or you know what, no, I'm good. I just came here for some information, right? And so the reason why it's different, and this is where I think so many people get overwhelmed with all the different things you could be doing from a marketing perspective, is that first, it depends on what you're selling. And if I'm selling something that's like a billion dollars, I'm probably going to need to nurture that relationship more than somebody who's selling something that's a penny, right? And I use those extreme numbers on purpose. And so you first need to understand, okay, what is that initial like kind of barrier for folks? Like, is it something that needs a lot of nurturing or is it gonna be an easy yes or no? Like, do you want fries with this? Yes or no? Do you want Burt Mercedes bins? Okay, I need to think about it. Maybe I need to test drive it. Maybe I need, you know, there are different things that somebody may need to go through before they can make the decision. So the first thing you need to understand is, okay, what is somebody going to need to know or to experience or to do to powerfully make a decision, right? And you can do it if you've never sold your product or service before. You can do this in a couple of ways. You can do some market research. You can literally go through a scenario where you pretend in your mind that you're your ideal client and you go, okay, well, what would come up for me before I made this investment or this purchase? And if you've had people buy from you before, you can ask them, okay, well, what did you need to know? What were some of the fears that came up? And just get clear with them so that you can understand what does somebody need to make the decision. The other thing that's important is how you're selling it. You know, if you're selling something where they have to get on the phone with you, then the way you go about it may be different than if you just need to have somebody make the decision yes or no on their own and they go to a sales page and just check out. And so like all these different things play a role. The last piece that really plays a role in this probably makes it more individual more than anything is how you best to show up and how your target audience best makes decisions, right? And so what I mean by that is if I am somebody who is not comfortable at all 
doing videos and it's to the detriment of like our brand to have me on video, then maybe I shouldn't do videos right away. And if it's important for me to do them, I could get training or support doing them. But maybe I want to start with something that's audio based, or maybe I'm a better writer. And so you want to think about, okay, what can I do to get people on the phone? Some people can go live and it's not a problem. Other people are like, you know what? No, I need to be able to edit it. I maybe need, you know, a script or something. And so that may take somebody off from doing a live webinar or a live challenge and put them more into doing, I don't know, a video series or something along those lines. Some people are just like, you know what? I do better in person. So maybe they want to go to networking events and they don't really want to do online right now either. Right. And I think so often people try to look at what others are doing that are probably like a hundred steps ahead of them and are like, oh my gosh, I need to have an evergreen webinar. No, like you don't need an evergreen webinar if you've never done a live webinar before because you don't know if your webinar is even going to convert anyone. And so I always encourage people to like know where they are, know what would be best to sell people in and then create a plan that's easy for them to implement based off of that. So it's hard for me to tell people like, you should do this exact thing because I really believe that it's a little bit different for everyone. But at the end of the day, if you come up with a hypothesis of like, you know what, I think this will really work to bring my clients in. And then you test that over and over and over and over again, tweaking it along the way, you'll start seeing the results you want versus going, I tried this once, it didn't work. I'm on to the next thing that usually prolongs you from seeing any sort of results, which people typically don't want that prolonged result period. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're saying not to try to copy someone else who is already on the market for some time or maybe in a completely different niche. And this is what people do. I think that uh, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who just try to be like someone else and then it does not work. Of course, it doesn't work because everything is individual. So, Nikki, what do you think? What should we do if... We want to build an expert brand, personal brand of an expert in our niche. Are there any strategies that you can recommend? Yeah. So when I look at expert positioning, there are usually four areas that you can, or four ways you can position yourself as an expert at a high level. To remember it, it's an acronym that spells CAR. It's C-A-R-R. -R. And the first one, which is C, is contribute. And what that means is doing a lot of what we talked about already, like contribute new content. You can contribute by creating acronyms or frameworks like I just did and then share it to the world. And it's like, hey, I have this thing that I use. And having your own systems or frameworks are a great way to position yourself as an expert, right? Because it shows that you've done this, you've thought through something and you're teaching something in a way that nobody else is teaching it. And so I would start for a lot of people, low hanging fruit to a certain degree is just contribute, go live online share content internally at a company for those of you that are in jobs and you're like, hey, I want to be seen as the expert internally. One of my coworkers would send a monthly, actually it was weekly, a weekly newsletter essentially where he just copied and pasted a whole bunch of emails. Anybody who said, hey, I want you to send this to me as well. And he would write an email that just had links to articles in marketing that he found really interesting specifically and especially in advertising because that was what his role was with a couple of sentences as why the article was interesting and something like an interesting part of the article so that somebody could just read his newsletter really quickly, go away with a bunch of information. And if they wanted to learn more, click on one of the articles. And all he did was as he was reading things during the week would 
copy a link to it, put it in an email and then send it out at the end of the week. It was so simple, but he got known for it. And I love him to death. Like it's, it's so smart. And it inspired me when I worked internally at the company, I created a lunch and learn series called getting social with Nikki. And I would teach social media once a month at a lunch and learn, bring your lunch, learn from me. And it was internal. So you can do things like that to contribute and start being seen as an expert internally. And then you could do those same things externally. If you have a business, you know, create a newsletter that's really powerful and interesting and have people subscribe to it. Go speak and teach something online, go live, create content. So if you can contribute to the industry and share your thoughts or share a new perspective or you know just share information, that's a great way to be seen as an expert. The next one is A, which is association. So if you associate yourself with other people who are industry leaders or industry organizations, that's helpful. You know, I think about Oprah, Oprah had, I don't know why she's my example of the day, but she's my example of the day, but she had a TV show where she interviewed people and she was associated with all of those celebrities and all of those experts and spiritual leaders and everybody who she had on her show. So that started shaping her brand and how people perceived her as well. So you can do the same thing if you start your own show or podcast, or if you want to be a guest on somebody else's show, or if you speak at somebody's conference or, you know, event association, great way to do it, you know, go to networking events meet people do a strategic partnership association. The next letter is one of the first R's, which could be research. And if you think about professors, especially in college, most of them have PhDs as opposed to experience real world in an area. And they did a ridiculous amount of research and then they're teaching what they've learned and discovered, right? And they're bringing that to the classroom. And so you could research a topic that you want to be an expert in and share what you've learned, read books like, hey, I read this book on this topic. I learned this new thing. I thought you would find it interesting if you're interested in the same topic or if you're challenged with this problem. You know, if you're listening to this and you want to be known for, you know, brand positioning or being an expert, you'd be like, oh, I just listened to this episode and Nikki Nash described this car method. Here's what car stands for, right? And then you're just sharing stuff that you know. And if you keep sharing information from different people about personal branding or marketing, then people start going, oh, this person seems to know a lot about this topic. They're my go-to person, right? So you can research or read, share what you've learned. And then the last R, which is my personal favorite, is results. Get people results in the thing that you want to be known for or get results for yourself and share that. You know, if you want to be known as a nutritionist expert, share the results of how you've transformed your nutrition and what that's done for your health and wellness, right? Or a client that you've had or a friend that you've helped out and their results, or, you know, whatever you want to be known for, get results and share that with people, right? And so I have people start thinking of CAR, C-A-R-R, and you can choose one of those and focus on them and do it over and over and over again. And then you can start adding to your plan, your strategy. I love it. CAR method. So yes. contribution, association, research, and results. Yes, you got it. <laughs> yes, yes, I really, really love it. For sure, I will be using it. I'm sure that our listeners will be using it as well. Thank you so much, Nikki, for all your tips. And if our listeners want to contact you, where can they find you? Yeah, the best place to go would be to marketyourgenius.co. It has the links to anything. You can send me a DM on Instagram or something along those lines. So that's the easiest way to find me. And if you want to learn more about what I've shared or different ways that you can grow your business, click on the new book tab on that website. And I have a new book coming out and you can read all about it. It's also called Market Your Genius. So if you can't tell, I have a lot of things called Market Your Genius. Keep it simple, easy to remember. Um, and you can check that out as well. 
Perfect. So market your genius for sure. We will visit your page. I will put the link to your page and social media under the episode so that our listeners can contact you immediately when they hear you. Thank you so much, Nikki, for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.